Welcome to episode 4 of Wise Up, the podcast that aims to break down barriers in the music industry by pairing upcoming young music executives with industry veterans. I want to be prepared, so I seek the man upstairs for precaution. Or if I really want to change the way I'm walking, that's metaphorical. Please welcome Danny Desai and Tope Bello to today's show. Danny is a partner at the management firm Nowhere Near, who look after songwriters like Dio. Tope is also an artist manager and looks after Franklin and Solomon's Garden. And she has her own podcast called the black notes podcast uh, which is another fantastic show you should check out um her agency is called ground floor i'm looking forward to getting stuck into this one because we've uh, set ourselves the impossible task of trying to define what artist management in 2021 actually means a lot of managers will wear numerous different hats you know they might do the graphic design they might sort of act as a pr for an artist as well so where does everything fall uh, well, we'll be getting into that shortly, um, but I'm very grateful to have Danny and Tope with me, and we're going to start with a little icebreaker. So the icebreaker for today is name a new song or artist that you've come across recently and that you resonated with and why that might be. Uh, someone I'm really excited about right now. I'm really excited about Back Row G. Yeah, yeah. I guess he's new because I think he's only really come up in the last like year or so. Um, he had a really big year with Parson Lou last year. Um, that single, My Family, and I think yeah, just the trajectory that he's been on. Um, yeah, but I'm really excited to t- start seeing him like release some of his own stuff. Uh, mm. But yeah, Back Row G. Is he on Spotify? Yes, he is, yes. Literally back road as it's spelled normally and then G is G double E. Oh uh, yeah, nice. Backroad G is great. Backroad G is really yeah. good. Really good. Loads of energy. Definitely something fresh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In the scene, for sure. I, I was gonna say, um there's this artist called Priya Ragu who just released a song called uh she's started with one called like good times i think and then chicken lemon rice um but she's she's making waves and she's kind of she's half swiss i think or she's based Mm. in switzerland um but she's indian and like she brings a lot of that culture to her music Mm. which i love i really like priya she's really cool and uh yeah, one of my clients worked with her recently. Really, really cool kind of artist and uh, really complete. Like, looks like even if you go on their Instagram, it's so uh, interesting looking. Like, everything, so many content pillars. Mm. That's my marketing <laughs> geek <laughs> coming out. But, but yeah, it's really cool, man. I think this is the only one that kind of springs to mind as some of this upcoming. But I really like Bella. Really cool uh, music. And, uh, it's just something I enjoy listening to. So mm. she did the colours recently. I think she's really cool. Good pick. Good pick, Danny. All right, cool. So I guess like to start, we um we kind of go into both of your journeys. For sure. So it'd be it'd be great to start with you. And I'm interested. Like you've you've kind of so you you manage a couple of artists, and you've mm. got 
um you've got your own podcast as well black notes podcast right uh, but where did you where did you start and like was was music something you were always passionate about um yeah so i'll take it back to like primary school where the first instrument i picked up was a guitar mm. um i think that's where like the love for live music started in primary school i was also playing steel pan which is a really less choice um, when it comes to get, um, picking an instrument because people are often picking like violins, piano. But yeah, I just I just fell in love with live music. Mm. Um, I come from like a Christian background as well. So the, the, the church I was in um, was just, yeah, very like gospel music heavy. And then watching my older brother play keyboard, again, just a love, a constant love for live music. Um, I had a brief stint where I was rapping for about a year. Oh, no way. Um, <laughs> uh, I threw that away very quickly but then like the passion for music was still there mm. um, so I attended an industry all day art in 2016 to try and figure out like what I want to do in the industry and I was just able to sit under like some talks and just hear what different people do and then like align my own strengths with like particular roles within the industry um, and that's when I came down to A&R and artist management. And so that's how I found myself where I am now, mm. somewhat. It's interesting. Like, Steel Pan's like, yeah, I guess you'd you'd be in demand as a Steel Pan player. But <laughs> my sister did that as well. And it's quite like a communal instrument to play because you've got a lot of people are, like, counting on you. Right, 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 yeah. Um, so I played the bass, which was, like, I think about five or six cylinders around mm. one person. Yeah, I, thinking about it now, actually, you're right. It is quite a communal um, instrument. You're not really thinking about you as a soloist. You're thinking about how what you're playing fits in to the grand scheme of things. So, um, yeah, I can't play it now. I can't play a lick. I wouldn't know where to start, but yeah, it was <laughs> a good time. <laughs> that kind of like mindset of... Um yeah kind of making sure everyone around you is, is all set I feel like that's quite an important part of being an artist manager mm. is that something um, you found yeah I'm I'm still figuring it out so I would love to hear like I'm, I would love to hear like Danny's story do you know what I mean like I've I feel like I've been doing this now for like two years but I feel like it's only in the last year or so I've really started to like get stuck into it at the beginning it was just really hard for me to define what I'm actually meant to be doing like what's actually within my remit am I meant to be paying for stuff am I not like how much am I meant to be involved in the creative process so naturally I'm always trying to make sure that everyone's good but it's about trying to find the boundaries um, and that's something that I've really struggled with in the Mm. past two years of being an artist manager so yeah yeah let's go over to Danny you didn't start as an artist manager, right? You um, is it, you started kind of more on the like mixing or engineering side. Yeah, so I I want to go back to that boundaries thing in a bit though because yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a really <laughs> tricky that is a really tricky thing. So you you're not alone on on that one. So yeah, totally. But um, yeah, I started studying music production at Leeds College of Music and I was an aspiring producer at that time and then I kind of like fell into after uni fell into like kind of mixing and and kind of uh, recording engineering as well still doing a bit of production and um, and then that kind of 
ran its course and I started uh, started interning at, at labels and um, one of which was one little independent records. Called, used, yeah. yeah, as it's now <laughs> called. Uh, but yeah, so that led me there. Um, I was working in the digital department and um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a really cool experience. And around that time, I came across this uh, networking group called Young Guns Network. And um, I became like a, a, f- a founding kind of team member of that. I was doing the digital side of it. And that was founded by Sam Potts and um, Remy Harris. And yeah, so that kind of was a great opportunity. I got to meet a lot of people. And, and like the culmination of all of that stuff led to me landing a, a job at EMI Records. It was called Virgin EMI then. And that was that universal um a label at universal so i was i was there for maybe about five years and midway through that i started managing um managing a songwriter and artist called dio and and yeah and then like kind of i left after the end of that five years i left to kind of focus on my on my management business and then i subsequently partnered with um a guy called hanan malik who founded a company called Nowhere Near. So I'm partnered there. And yeah, Nowhere Near kind of collectively manages a range of artists, producers, songwriters, you know, in different genres, ranging from pop. We've worked on rap. We've done um, we've done the kind of more electronic as well. So yeah, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the music journey in a nutshell. And um, I'm also studying to be a coach at the moment. So that's kind of my world at the moment yeah thanks is that for... football coach by the way or <laughs> no, no no not football coach the thing is yeah it's people call it a life coach isn't it but it's not actually a life coach because you do you um, coach business you coach whatever you coach people so it's technically called coaching but um you might know it as life coach <laughs> I can see you as a football coach now. Now that you mention it, Tope. I, I would love to coach sports sports people. I love it. I love sports psychology. I'm reading this book called Relentless at the moment, and it's like written by one of the Brownlee brothers, uh, the triathletes, and he just mm. goes around interviewing like loads of sports people about their mindset, and I love that stuff. Mm. And then I try to transfer it into my management, which is great. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I bet I bet like there are some kind of shared traits in in artists where you you need that kind of dedication and ability to commit yourself to a greater vision like that's kind of above yourself sort of similar in sports where I I was watching like The Last Dance and like how Michael Jordan is so so dedicated um to his cause he's, he's really got something to prove but it goes beyond himself um mm. do you find that like kind of yeah do you find that in your artists um for me uh i think it's important but everyone is every artist is different and they have different capacities and i think there are differences between um what is how a elite sports person needs to be wired and how an elite um music creative it needs to be wired or might find themselves wired so i think there's stuff that you can take um 
and maybe stuff that inspires us as management as well. But um, we've got to be careful. I can't, I can't bring too much of it in because there is like nuances and everyone's different. But yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's a fine line to walk. Going back to like that boundaries thing, how important are not just boundaries for yourself, but like boundaries with your artists? Yeah, I, what were your things, Tope? Like, what were what kind of things have come up? I know you're talking about like, what do you pay for? How involved do you get in the creative process? Like, what what is it for you that is the the most grey areas in this? Yeah, I think so. At the beginning, it was yeah, like seeing a budget for a video for example um and knowing okay we might not have that and then thinking okay like am i meant to like think about chipping in something here like am i just investing my time or should i be investing my money as well to show that yeah i really believe in like the artists that i'm working with um also just how much how much i'm meant to be taking the reins on um so Am I meant to be the one that's like pitching producers to the artist to say, oh, you guys should work with this? Or should it be the other way around where the artists are saying, oh, actually, no, like I really want to work with this singer or I really want to work with this writer um, and can you go out and make it happen? I think the first year and a half, I was just in a bit of a, I was deep in the ocean, didn't know what I was doing, just trying to do everything, but then kind of thinking, oh, like, should I really be doing all this work? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, I think there's a transition from like when you start managing. Like when I started managing, I was like so like really like just doing so much because you don't want to drop the ball on anything. Um, right. So you end up doing probably you're crossing the boundaries. I've been at so many kind of like dinners with my manager friends, and I pick up the phone to do something, and they'll be like, "That's not your job." <laughs> and, and then I'm like, yeah, but but this and that and whatever. But they're more experienced than I am. That's why they're saying that. And and everyone has a different way of 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 managing as well. I think that's right. quite a part of it. But I think um, you know, at the start, I think you can't do too much in a way. But also, it is important to know what what you're supposed to do. Like I think all the things you're spoke speaking about. I think it depends, and that's that's the best way to kind of answer it. Is it depends? Like, if you're putting money in, what's the business deal regarding that money? Right. You know, right. like because it, is it, it is it just a straight um, commission that way? You know, the twenty percent that that is industry standard, or is it is it changing because you're putting in that money? A really good book in on business in general in terms of like slashing equity and stuff is a, is a book called slicing the pie i forgot the author but i'll i'll find it and let you know but it's um but you'll find it's, it's like a really good um kind of snapshot of like you know what what work is how it should be um kind of you know it, it should be accounted for in future like earnings and stuff and, and i think that that kind of conversation is a good conversation to have. It's not the easiest, but just to say like, look, if I'm putting in money, then then this needs to be split up in this way. I need to protect myself in this way. Right. So I think that 
with the money side, that's that. And then in terms of that producers and stuff like that, like I think that depends. Like if they are happy for you to take the lead, then maybe that's where you need to fill in. And maybe they're great at social media, so you don't need to jump in and, and advise them on that. It's just like kind of fill in the gaps, you know. I think it's, yeah, just kind of finding, defining your roles between you and making sure it makes sense. Equity. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can relate to that as well, Tope. Like, especially because I, I kind of started a couple of years ago as well, and I found myself doing everything and you know spreading yourself really thin, and you get burnt out quite quickly. Whereas now I'm trying to delegate a little bit more, and also kind of finding the right people to delegate to. Um, mm. and just taking a step back and being like okay yeah I, I trust you guys to to do this I think Danny we were talking about this a little bit yesterday but like there's that whole idea of like making sure your indispensable uh, isn't always the best strategy because uh, if you leave or if you want to go on holiday then you know that's it like you're going to be stressed out your artists are going to be stressed out yeah for sure I think leading from the back can can be a good way to look at things. That's something that I think I'm a natural at, but there also needs to be, and this is something I'm currently developing and, and have been trying to, is the more directive side of like, you need to do this. And right. I think typically that's what most managers have in abundance and it's actually the other thing they need to work on whereas i think and, and it's a really useful tool by the way in getting things done so um and that's why it's there but um, mm. i think you need a balance of the two and you need to like this really directive like do this you need that in there but you also need to be able to let things develop without you and lead from the back so yeah combo mm. yeah I think I really struggle with that directive, like, you need to do this. Because I think oftentimes I might just think, you know what, let me just do it myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, hate, I hate putting things on other people's to-do list. But you want to you want to give them a sense of, like, responsibility and ownership over their own careers as well. So I think that's where I'm realising I can't just always be doing things that they ought to be doing for themselves. Yeah, 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 totally. I think, I think it's also, like... You, the indispensable thing is, is such a good thing to talk about because in that if you step away and you're doing all the stuff then they won't be able to maintain and um mm. and as the thing grows like you're not going to be able to do the same things you were doing at the start and so it has to it's almost about building that foundation isn't it of the building like it has to be built on solid ground so it's good that you're thinking about roles, I think, right now, because yeah. it, it bodes well for the future if everyone is clear on what they do. Yeah. I think like artist management is such a, it's almost a loose term now. Like an artist manager does a little bit of everything, especially earlier on, like you might be doing the PR yourself, you might be know hitting up producers what would you say like the core qualities or the core um, responsibilities are of a manager and kind of open question 
Danny, we're waiting on you. Yeah, nah, <laughs> I was waiting on you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be perceptive. Uh, you tell me. Uh, um, I think it's... At the moment, for me, it's looking like building an infrastructure around the artists that I'm managing. Um, so not necessarily being the solo person, but yeah, like getting an executive producer in that we can just like work in on a project, um, looking for like PR companies that believe in what we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so building like a team around the artists so that we can execute the creative once it's time to start rolling things out to the world. Um, mm. And there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into that, but yeah, that's the, that's the main thing. Oh, and that, obviously at times when, when you're on the come up, it's looking for things like funding and just looking for like different opportunities that they can take advantage of in order to build their, build their profile um, and just making the right connections. But yeah, it's looking like a whole load of everything and a whole load of nothing all at once. Mm, I like that. That's great. That is a quote. <laughs> yeah, I'd 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 say exactly that, and making like kind of protecting the art, protecting the talent as well, kind of like a bit of safeguarding, I think, as well, um, in terms of like making sure that they're not burning themselves out, getting the best kind of out of them, and you know, do you want them here for? for a while and not just like a season or, or whatever so so i think i think it's, it's all of that all of that stuff as well comes into it the dynamic between an artist and a manager is like one of the few dynamics in probably in any job like outside of the music industry even where you have this kind of like yeah, you're you're protecting their interests, your their interests, safeguarding right. them. You're kind of almost parenting them a little bit to the point where they're not quite a business associate anymore. It's like you're you get emotionally invested, right? Like you want what's best for them. Mm. Like, where mm. does that boundary fall for you? Like, do you consider like your clients your friends? I mean, I, I I've I've had. Uh friendship i definitely have friendship with with my um you know some of my roster but um i i don't know what i think it's case by case again it depends i think probably the optimal situation is where you aren't friends i think because it allows those boundaries to just be created that topa was talking about that you know whatever they are but it allows boundaries to be put up more easily but I've seen really successful and like I have a a great relationship with one of my clients that is definitely there's a a great friendship there too so I think um I think it does depend I think that if you got if you can make it clear um like a clear distinction even in that friendship of like we're here for business now and kind of maybe even change a setting where you're meeting change like the you know the focus and stuff like that i think that that's key if you're going to have a a friendship parallel you need to know when you're talking business and when you're not Mm. otherwise in certain scenarios it could just end up a free-for-all and then nothing gets started yeah uh yeah i think i'm currently a a mixture yeah we've started off as friends and then the the business side has come into it so that's been like interesting to, to navigate 
um, because sometimes we are having a friendship conversation, but then that friendship conversation impacts the business. So it's 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 an interesting thing to to, to balance. But I think yeah, as long as like there's communication and it, and it's quite clear. Okay, when we're dealing with business, we're dealing with business. Um, and I think what Danny said about sometimes even changing the setting is just really helpful, so that we know. Okay, cool. Like this is this is actually business. We didn't come here just to to play. Um, yeah, it's really helpful in kind of like drawing the boundaries and yeah, just making sure that everyone's expectation is met. Also, one thing: artists, um, creatives, are the their whole job is to push boundaries and and <laughs> <laughs> and like play around with them. So it's that's always gonna be a thing as well. Like if if your artist stops playing with your boundaries. I mean, in my experience, anyway, then I'd be a little bit worried. So um, <laughs> I'd be thinking, where's the creative juices going? Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, so it's part of it as well. So I think it's on our side, we have to assert the boundaries maybe a little bit stronger um, mm. just to kind of keep things in a healthy position. But yeah. Yeah, I think like going back to what you were saying earlier as well, like having that assertiveness in terms of when you're delegating stuff can be really important and it feels uncomfortable I'd say for me at least to tell someone what to do I think like do, do you ever get used to that I don't I yeah I don't not at all I, I almost try to couch it in like really suggestive terms yeah. as opposed to like direct you need to do uh, that yeah being direct really makes me uncomfortable but I'm starting to realize even my suggestive terms, they're not communicating the urgency enough. And so I've had to yeah, try and switch up the language and be a bit more, no, you actually need to do this by this date or else nothing's going to get done. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think that, um, you know, it's some, for some people we talked about earlier, for some people it's easier to do that, to, to speak in that way. But I would say for myself, it's not as well. Similarly, but I think what's helped me in get, trying to get there is understanding why. So like peeling back, yeah, so you know this is a golden circle, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a theory and it's like the outside is what, and that would be us telling people what to do, right? And then the inside bit of that is how, and that's like how do we do it, explaining how. But the why is in the middle, and that's the golden bit, right? And I think if you understand exactly what you're going to do and what, what the reasoning is and why you're here to do what you do, then the what becomes a lot easier because you know we're uncomfortable because we, we're confronting someone. But when we realize that actually that thing that we're, we're trying to say is because of a reason and it's a really deep reason, like it's a really like uh, meaty reason, then saying it becomes a a bit easier at least in my experience so Mm. that's been an interesting journey anyway for me yeah that's really interesting i guess like you when i mean from speaking for myself but like when i have to be in that position what happens is you know you forget what's at the core of of that and it becomes a surface level action but i guess if you think about like the greater purpose behind that and maybe even communicating that to the person you need something from so that they're 
you know they have the empathy you're kind of instilling the empathy in in them yeah i, I love that that's it's definitely it's like you have a kind of you're you're going out there with this bit of string attached to the wire and you're going out there you're getting more further out there with the string attached to you and you're battling with the telling people off but the string is still attached to the wire and you're like you look back and you tug on it and you're like oh yeah okay this is why cool <laughs> i'm safe um, so. <laughs> that's gonna be in my head the next time i have to do that now <laughs> <laughs> me too uh, i wanted to like kind of talk a bit about like barriers um as well uh, racial barriers or kind of systemic or both mm. and kind of if you're comfortable as well like so that that government report came out a while ago saying oh britain's great there are no underlying systemic barriers here which is you know bullshit like that doesn't make any sense are there any kind of systemic issues you've faced in in the music industry danny Maybe we can start with you. I think that there's others that I've seen that have had like w- a lot worse treatment than me. I wouldn't say there there are issues that like I now look back at as well more than I've recognised in the mm. moment. Um, and that you know, and to be honest, like you know, it was around the time when people were taking time to reflect and think about it around George Floyd. You started to think about, you know, my industry and start to think about the the past and stuff. But, you know, from my perspective, I, I, I like, was put into, like, you know, working on music that I, did, I didn't fully listen to. I listened to some of it, but, like, you know, music of Black Origin, basically, like, you know, rap and, and um, you know, like, music in that kind of lane and i was put onto it but not because i've necessarily expressed a massive interest in it i felt like it was a, a certain type of of kind of profiling um looking back and and i think uh, i think that that would normally that that's kind of a thing and then i think a lot of people have profiled that in labels historically if they have a person of color coming in on the talent side that they will assemble a room that looks similar mm. with the people of color, and um, and it doesn't really matter what they do in their role. Mm. So, which is crazy. So, so I think all of those things were going on, and, and loads of people have talked about it. You look back at these times and you think about, you do feel like are oh, you a piece of furniture? They just getting out the nice table or this table, the suitable table. Or are you, are, you, are you your own entity? Are you actually good at your job? Which obviously means a lot to all of us. So I think that that is something from my side that I've experienced. But, you know, mm. there, there's there's loads more stories that, that are a lot worse. And, and, I, and it's good that they're being talked about now. So all of it. But yeah, mm. that would be something for me. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, I, I think my, I don't know if I've necessarily experienced anything particularly systemic. Um, however, I, I think even just the barriers into the music industry, like the music industry isn't necessarily something you 
get into like just by going to uni doing a degree like applying for the job and then like getting it it's often mm. nepotism and i think for a long period of time the ones who have been in positions of influence haven't been uh, people of people of color basically um and that has meant that boardrooms and staff have looked one way for a long period of time and i think it's only especially in the uk music industry it's only recently that we're now starting to see like black music executives uh, for example um and that's just changing the landscape and the opportunities uh, for people coming up so um even this morning i saw that no signal um are doing it running an academy and that's breaking down a barrier into the industry that has been there for a long time but without those people in those positions um younger generations are never going to have that access and so even my journey into the industry has very much been me just trying to find my feet thankfully i've had like good advice from some music execs and they've been they've been white music execs do you get what i mean and mm-hmm. um that's just kind of kept me going and they've given me game and top and given me certain insights that's allowed me to to navigate to where i am now um but without that i wouldn't know i wouldn't have known where to start i wouldn't have known what to do but i'm slowly seeing those things being broken down bit by bit um as time goes on thankfully yeah that's really encouraging i feel similar to you in some some way in, in terms of like with george floyd and that kind of sparking up blm again uh in the uk to a point where it felt like it couldn't be ignored um mm. and kind of that's across all industries and then keith harris published that letter like the open call mm. and since then i have seen a lot more movement i'd say and like as you're saying like black music executives like getting into like board level positions and right. it feels like the start of systemic change which is good yeah and i think also like um maybe as like danny was referring to earlier like particularly in reference to like black people like we're not a monolith and so like it's not that you're just getting the black people in to deal with like the hip hop and r&b like mm. uh, one of my one of my closest friends like she's a techno dj um and so like she has like great insight into that area and so it's not about like let's say you're trying to sign a big rap artist and so you just gather all the black people into one room so that they think that this label is the place for them no you actually find people who are interested in that genre of music but also realize yeah like black people can work on far more than quote unquote urban music do you get what i mean it 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 goes beyond that and our talents go beyond that and so not always pigeonholing your staff members as well that's massive like that for me is like one of the most important things because you can make hires and you can you can get your headcount looking a certain way mm. as a company mm. but it's really those nuanced kind of like you know who are you really giving position and power to internally and what does that actually look like and what what the signal pigeonholing sends is just so like is so limiting and that that is just not not the way you you progress i remember a story a while ago where it was a case of 
it was someone was interning at a radio station and, and they got the position out of like a, a family connection. Yeah, it was like a producer at a radio station and and they were black and they didn't know who Little Sims was and it was like an indie indie radio station and it was like, well, you know, you shouldn't have just chosen someone because they're black um, mm. to go into this position. Like, they need to know their stuff just because, you know, their dad's friends with this label boss or so and so forth. So I think, yeah, like nepotism's going to be a hard one to crack. Tope, how, how, what do you think about, like, what do you reckon the the way around that is? Nepotism in itself. <laughs> I'm conflicted because I get nepotism. Like, I get it. Like, I think if I'm in a position of power and I have a friend who has a child who really wants to get into a particular industry that I'm working in, mm. um, then, yeah, I'm going to open, I'm going to open that door for them if I see that that's, like that that's an area of interest for them so that they can feel it out and so it's hard because I think yeah I I understand the nepotism side of things um, but I think the credentials also have to be there and I think sometimes I've looked up at some of the people who are higher up and I've been thinking you're really in your position just purely by nepotism Um, yeah because nepotism is one thing but you actually have to have the credentials to actually sustain the work I think that's what I think that's what's missing is the credentials mm. alongside the nepotism. hundred percent. I, I think one thing I was thinking about the other day is this idea of, you know, like where these um, job postings and stuff like that, where they're actually being served and mm. who they're being served via, do they make it into the hands of everyone that is interested mm. in these jobs or, or do they make it, you know, does if it's on LinkedIn, does everybody use LinkedIn? I, I think that I've seen like certain companies going to like influencers now and and getting them to post the job thing, and and I think right. you know what's a step because I think that their reach is going to be a bit more diverse from seeing the type of influencers that they've used. It's going to be a bit more diverse than than if they just went by the the typical roots and, and, and just like, so I think, I think that, that side of it is, is also important. Um, how is that message going out there and who is it reaching? And do they think it's realistic that they could even sit in a company like that? And mm, I think that right. that messaging needs to come up. Uh, I think nepotism is actually like with the industry, the way you kind of come up, you tend to come up with the people around you and once you're in that position of power these are all people who've helped you and you've helped along the way it's very hard to be like oh yeah no they're they're not qualified for this um because you're you're still in that frame of mind where you want to help them out and you know they're helping you out but i guess like that comes with being in that position comes with a level of responsibility where you have to you have to bear that in mind and like make sure you know they're qualified or they have the skills for for what you're offering mm. yeah definitely cool we're coming up to time um so i guess the last question i wanted to say was like what's been the biggest challenge of, of both of your careers so far i think for me it was like 
leaving my job at Virgin at Universal and kind of like pivoting my mindset from being employed and employed at one of the biggest labels to being self-employed and having to like kind of drive the drive the ship. And I think that, to be honest, that took a while to get my head around. I'd say maybe like really like two years <laughs> to so really getting really into that frame of mind. So I think I think that that has been a big challenge and a great one as well because I honestly think everyone should at some point consider working for themselves because it, it makes you grow in a in a really amazing way. But um but yeah I think that that's probably is a is a big kind of like lofty one that's that spread over time. But I think that that's probably the biggest challenge. Mm. Probably for me, it was actually getting into the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually proving. Like, my first industry job was working for um, a not-for-profit organization, I Love Live, as their events manager. And I think, to some extent, like, they just took a chance on me. They could see that I was passionate about music. Um, and for a long period of time, it, there's me juggling my nine-to-five and, like, trying to do everything um, in relation to music outside of that. And it's really mm-hmm. draining. Yeah. Um, and so just that period of time of like making that transition and like doing applications and there's no music history in your CV, but trying to prove from a piece of paper that yeah, like you're really interested in, in this, in this industry. And so getting my first music industry job was tough. Um, and there was many times I just felt like, yeah, let, let me give up and let me just stay where I, where I am. But I'm grateful now that I didn't, um, and I just continued pushing on. Yeah, I think for me as well, it's been the main challenge has been like getting into the industry. And, and Danny, I mean, I feel like I'm in that boat now where I'm, I've got to change my mindset um, from being employed full time to doing my own thing for a little bit. Um, mm. It's been a pleasure to have you both here today. Um, I wanted to end with some of the best advice you've been given um, or something that's resonated with you. Uh, I, I know what mine is straight away. I met a lady called Jane Jane Third at the time. She was the senior vice president at Because Music, and um, I met her for like a I think like an entry level job there. Um, but we just really got to speaking about like what I want to do within the industry. And one thing she said to me was just start doing it. No one's gonna wait for you like to give you the opportunity. Just start proving to people that you can do it. Um, and you'll see how the opportunities start rolling in. And since that day, that's been my mindset going forward. Um, and I think that's what's allowed me to get to where I am now. Um, just being proactive and just going for it and demonstrating that you can do it. The music industry is like that sometimes. You have to demonstrate first that you can do it for people to um, actually, yeah, take take a chance on you. And so... Jane said, will always be part of my um, music music industry uh, journey. Mm, I love that. Go on, Danny. Uh, you, know, you know me. I never have something. I'm that guy. <laughs> but I, you you see these things, and I, I can never think of side on the spot. There probably is something, but I can't think of it now. I would say, though, like something, the thing Topa just said about doing it, that's mm. something that, resonates with me so much right now and like 
doing it is the only thing. I think one thing we could do, which I've done, is that when we're trying to get into the industry, we go to so many events, so many mm. panels, so many things, and this is just like filling our backpack up with loads of info, right? But the mm. thing about that backpack is it gets heavy. And you just need to, you just need to do, man. Like it just need to crack on and do, and you learn by doing. Um, right. In many ways, like when I when I left when I left Virgin, I started quite soon after managing a rapper called AM, and we yeah you know, we were releasing records independently, and there was so much um, so much to learn in that in that process, and it was all learned from doing. I didn't have all the answers. I'd never, I, I was working at a label where, you know, this crazy, like lot high budgets and do this, have two men doing one job, whatever. It's like, and then with, then we're doing independent records and I'm holding the bloody um, light for the, for a music video. Do you know what I mean? So um, and, and there was this one where I literally, we were shooting a video on Brits night. Yeah. So like normally, Brits, I would have got in to speak to, to some kind of party or something um, and whatever. This year, I was out of the label system and I was at a music video shoot at a car park we didn't have permission to film in and I was holding this light. And um, then on the way back, I had this ladder in my car and it was poking me in the face whilst I was driving. Uh, and then I, I looked to the left with the ladder poking me and there was this uh, since '93 and Beats party going on, right? Which was the party oh. to go to that that year. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh yeah, I got this ladder in my face, and uh, I need to get home." So, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> the one. I don't regret it. <laughs> um, yeah, um, man. Damn, I, that's such a surreal. Like, must have been such a surreal moment. Cool. Well, thank you both for being here today. All right. Thank you, AJ. Nice one. Have a great day, guys. Appreciate it.